Chapter 15 of Ben the Luggage Boy, or Among the Wharves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tommy Hersant, Carlsbad, California. Ben the Luggage Boy, or Among the Wharves, by Horatio Alger, Jr., Chapter 15, The Room Under the Wharf. It was at a late hour when the boys left the theatre. The play had been of a highly sensational character, and had been greeted with enthusiastic applause on the part of the audience, particularly the occupants of the pit. Now, as they emerged from the portals of the theatre, various characteristic remarks of a commendatory character were interchanged. "'How'd you like it, Ben?' asked Barney. "'Bully,' said Ben. "'I like the fight best,' said Barney. "'Jones give it to him just about right.' "'Yes, that was good,' said Ben. "'But I liked it best, where Alfonso says to Montmorency, "'Caitiff, beware, or by the heavens above my trusty sword "'shall drink thy foul heart's blood.' "'Ben gave this with the stage emphasis, so far as he could imitate it. "'Barney listened admiringly.' "'I say, Ben,' he replied, "'you did that bully. "'You'd make a tip-top actor.' "'Would I?' said Ben, complacently. "'I think I'd like to try it, if I knew enough. "'How much money you got, Barney?' "'Nary a red. "'I spent the last on peanuts. "'Just my case. "'We'll have to find some place to turn in for the night. "'I know a place,' said Barney, "'if they'll let us in. "'Whereabouts is it?' down to dover street wharf what sort of a place is it there ain't any boxes or old wagons are there no it's under the wharf a bully place under the wharf oh it's wet isn't it no you just come along i'll show you having no other place to suggest ben accepted his companion's guidance and the two made their way by the shortest route to the wharf named it is situated not far from Fulton Ferry on the east side. It may be called a double wharf, as originally built. It was found too low for the class of vessels that used it, and another flooring was built over the first, leaving a considerable space between the two. Its capabilities for a private rendezvous occurred to a few boys, who forthwith proceeded to avail themselves of it it was necessary to carry on their proceedings secretly otherwise there was a danger of interference from the city police what steps they took to make their quarters comfortable will shortly be described when they reached the wharf barney looked about him with an air of caution which ben observed what are you scared of asked ben we mustn't let the cop see us said barney don't make no noise. Thus admonished, Ben followed his companion with as little noise as possible. How do you get down there? he asked. I'll show you, said Barney. He went to the end of the wharf, and, motioning Ben to look over, showed him a kind of ladder formed by nailing strips of wood at regular intervals from the outer edge down to the water's edge. 
This was not an arrangement of the boys, but was for the accommodation of river boats landing at the wharf. "'I'll go down first, whispered Barney. "'If the cop comes along, move off, so he won't notice nothing.' "'All right,' said Ben. Barney got part way down the ladder, when a head was protruded from below, and a voice demanded, "'Who's there?' "'It's I, Barney Flynn.' "'Come along, then. "'I've got a fellow with me,' continued Barney. "'Who is it?' It's Ben, the baggage smasher. He wants to stop here tonight. All right, we can trust him. Come along, Ben, Barney called up the ladder. Ben quickly commenced the descent. Barney was waiting for him and held out his hand to help him off. Our hero stepped from the ladder upon the lower flooring of the wharf and looked about him with some curiosity. It was certainly a singular spectacle that met his view. About a dozen boys were congregated in the room under the wharf, and had evidently taken some pains to make themselves comfortable. A carpet of good size was spread over a portion of the flooring. Upon this three beds were spread, each occupied by three boys. Those who could not be accommodated in this way laid on the carpet. Some of the boys were already asleep. Two were smoking and conversing in a low voice. Looking about him, Ben recognized acquaintances in several of them. Footnote. The description of the room under the wharf and the circumstances of its occupation by a company of street boys are not imaginary. It was finally discovered and broken up by the police, the details being given at the time in the daily papers, as some of my New York readers will remember. Discovery did not take place, however, until it had been occupied some time. "'Is that you, Mike Sweeney?' he asked of a boy stretched out on the nearest bed. "'Yes,' said Mike come and lay alongside of me. There was no room on the bed, but Ben found space beside it on the carpet and accordingly stretched himself out. How do you like it? asked Mike. Tip top, said Ben. How'd you get the carpet and beds? Did you buy em? Yes, said Mike with a wink. But the man wasn't in and we didn't pay for them. You stole them then? "'We took them,' said Mike, who had an objection to the word stole. "'How did you get them down here without the cops seeing you?' "'We hid them away in the daytime and didn't bring them here till night. "'We came near getting caught. "'How long have you been down here?' "'Most a month.' "'It's a good place.' "'Yes,' said Mike and the rent is very reasonable. We don't have to pay nothing for lodging. It's cheaper than the lodge. That's so, said Ben. I'm sleepy, he said, gaping. I've been to the old Bowery tonight. Good night. Good night. In five minutes, Ben was fast asleep.
half an hour later, and not a sound was heard in the room under the wharf except the occasional deep breathing of some of the boys. The policeman, who trod his beat nearby, little suspected that just at hand and almost under his feet was a rendezvous of street vagrants and juvenile thieves, for such, I am sorry to say, was the character of some of the boys who frequented these cheap lodgings. In addition to the articles already described, there were two or three chairs which had been contributed by different members of the organization. Ben slept soundly through the night. When he woke up, the gray morning light entering from the open front towards the sea had already lighted up indistinctly the space between the floors. Two or three of the boys were already sitting up, yawning and stretching themselves after their night's slumber. Among them was Mike Sweeney. "'Are you awake, Ben?' he asked. "'Yes,' said Ben. "'I didn't hardly know where I was at first. "'It's a bully place, isn't it?' "'That's so. "'How'd you come across it?' "'Oh, some of the boys found it out. "'We've been sleeping here a month. "'Won't you let a feller in?' "'We might let you in. "'I'll speak to the boys.' "'I'd like to sleep here,' said Ben. "'It's a good deal better than sleeping out round. "'Who runs the hotel?' "'Well, I'm one of them. Uh, "'You might call it Sweeney's Hotel?' suggested Ben, laughing. "'I ain't the boss. "'Jim Bagley's got most to do with it.' "'Which is he? "'That's he over on the next bed. "'What does he do?' Oh, he's a traveling match merchant. Well, that sounds big. Jim's smart, he is. He makes more money than any of us. Where does he travel? Once he went to California in the steamer. He got a steerage ticket for $75. But he made more than that blacking boots for the other passengers afore they got there. He stayed there three months, and then came home. Does he travel now? Yes. He buys a lot of matches, and he goes up the river or down into Jersey, and is gone a week. A little while ago he went to Buffalo. Oh, yes, I know where that is. Blessed if I do. Oh, it's in the western part of York State, just across from Canada. Who told you? I learnt it in school. I didn't know you was a scholar, Ben. Oh, I ain't now. I forgot most all I ever knew. I haven't been to school since I was ten years old. Where was that? In the country. Well, I never went to school more than a few weeks. I can read a little, but not much. Oh, it costs a good deal to go to Buffalo. How did Jim make it while he was gone? Oh, he came home with ten dollars in his pocket besides paying his expenses. What does Jim do with all his money? Oh, he's got a mother and sister up in Bleecker Street or, or somewhere around there. Uh, he pays his mother five dollars a week be besides taking care of himself. 
why don't he live with his mother? Uh, he'd rather be around with the boys. I may remark here that Jim Bagley is a real character, and all that has been said about him is derived from information given by himself in a conversation held with him in the newsboy's lodging house. He figures here, however, under an assumed name, partly because the record in which his real name is preserved has been mislaid. The impression made upon the mind of the writer was that Jim had unusual business ability and self-reliance, and might possibly develop into a successful and prosperous man of business. Jim, by this time, was awake. "'Jim Bagley,' said Mike, "'here's a feller would like to put up at our hotel.' "'Who is he?' asked Jim. The traveling match merchant, as Mike had described him, was a boy of fifteen, rather small of his age, with a keen black eye and a quick, decided, business-like way. "'It's this, Veller. He's a baggage masher,' explained Mike. "'All right,' said Jim. "'He can come if he'll pay his share.' "'How much is it?' asked Ben. Mike explained that it was expected of each guest to bring something that would add to the comfort of the rendezvous. Two boys had contributed the carpet, for which probably they had paid nothing. Jim had supplied a bed, for which he did pay, as taking things without leave was not in his line. Three boys had each contributed a chair. Thus all the articles which had been accumulated were individual contributions. Ben promised to pay his admission fee in the same way, but expressed a doubt whether he might not have to wait a few days in order to save money enough to make a purchase. He never stole himself, though his association with street boys, whose principles are not always very strict on this point, had accustomed him to regard theft as a venial fault, provided it was not found out. For his own part, however, he did not care to run the risk of detection. Though he had cut himself off from his old home, he still felt that he should not like to have the report reach home that he had been convicted of dishonesty. At an early hour the boys shook off their slumbers and one by one left the wharf to enter upon their daily work. The newsboys were the first to go, as they must be on hand at the newspaper offices early to get their supply of papers, and fold them in readiness for early customers. The boot blacks soon followed, as most of them were under the necessity of earning their breakfast before they ate it. Ben also got up early and made his way to the pier of the Stonington line of steamers from Boston. These usually arrived at an early hour, and there was a good chance of a job in Ben's line when the passengers landed. End of chapter 15